Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 414. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about how much money does it take to be happy? And it might surprise you that it doesn't take that much money to be really happy. A lot of people think they have to have multiple millions of dollars in order to be happy. And unfortunately or fortunately, that's not really true. There's a study that was done recently and an article written on CNBC.com by David Levine. And it's called Money Can Actually Buy Some Happiness, But How Much? So I'm going to share with you this article and then discuss it a little bit at the end. But I really think that this should open your eyes and make you realize that you don't need multiple millions. You don't need to win a $100 million lottery. You don't have to have a private plane in order to be happy. And I know that this podcast goes out to people in 181 countries. So to some people in some countries, that may seem absolutely crazy. But to people in America who get caught up in a lot of the marketing and advertising and just all of the things that they try to tell us that we have to have all of these things in order to be happy. And it's just not so. So here's the article. David Lee Roth, the former singer for the band Van Halen, once acknowledged that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a yacht big enough to pull up right alongside it, he added. That pretty much sums up the conundrum. Is there some point at which the separate scales of income and happiness cross? If you are to believe recent research published in the journal Nature Human Behavior, the answer is yes. And that point is in the neighborhood of $60,000 to $75,000 a year per person. The research, based on data from the Gallup World Poll, a survey of more than 1.7 million individuals from 164 countries, examined purchasing powers in U.S. dollars and questions about life satisfaction and well-being. It actually found different income levels for different definitions of happiness. The ideal income point as a worldwide average, is $95,000 for life evaluation, defined as life satisfaction or an overall assessment of how one is doing relative to one's goals and comparisons to others. The $60,000 to $75,000 figure, also a worldwide average, relates to emotional well-being or one's day-to-day emotions, such as feeling happy, excited, sad, and angry. Andrew T. Jeb, the lead author and doctoral student in Purdue University's Department of Psychological Sciences, said that the study also found that, once the threshold was reached, further increases in income tended to be associated with reduced life satisfaction and a lower level of well-being. Because these figures represent a worldwide view, they tend to be higher in wealthier regions. Thus, 
the U.S. happiness point for life evaluation was actually about $105,000, Jeb said. The exact number for each individual is subjective, of course, and that's what makes the question of money and happiness so interesting. It's very provocative and relatable for nearly everyone, he says. I thought we would find a point where money stops benefiting you. Income can rise forever, but at some point you can't get happier. Finding it universally at every region was cool to see. Then the article asks, more money equals less happiness? And goes on to say, social scientists have been looking into the money-happiness relationship for a long time. In general, there is a weak to moderate correlation between income and happiness, says Shigehiro Oishi, a professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Virginia, who contributed to Jeb's paper. It is typically believed that income and happiness correlations are stronger among the poor than among the rich, he says. This means that a difference in annual income from $10,000 to $30,000 is pretty big for happiness, but $100,000 versus $130,000 is not as big, he explains. Jeb's paper seems to confirm that, but it adds the notion that the satiation point, where more income doesn't lead to more happiness, was higher among Americans, Europeans, and East Asians than among Latin Americans, Africans, and residents of other less wealthy regions, Oishi says. Why does happiness seem to level off or even decrease after a certain threshold is met? Jeb suspects that money is important for meeting basic needs, but once those needs are met, people may be driven by more material or social gains, which could actually lower one's sense of well-being. Another possibility, Oishi suggests, is an idea known as hedonic adaptation. One gets used to what one has and one's desires increases as one's income level increases, he says. That is why some people who make a lot of money are not happier than those who make less. Yet another possibility is a side effect of earning more. Those who make a lot of money are more stressed than those who make less. Thus, the benefit of more money is reduced by the cost of making more money, Oishi says. In Jeb's words, more money means more freedom, more security, but at a certain point the benefits start to reduce. But there are always costs to increases in income, like increased workload, travel, and worry. So the benefits diminish, but the costs may stay the same or continue to accrue. That's why it's not clear-cut that a millionaire is a lot happier than someone making a lot less. The conviction of the rich that the poor are happier is no more foolish than the conviction of the poor that the rich are, Mark Twain observed. Happiness, after all, is based on many things. Happiness is a certain equation, Jeb says. There are a number of unknowns on one side of the equal sign. Money definitely plays into it, but a lot of other things contribute. Among them, one's intimate relationship, Relationship satisfaction, such as marriage, is generally more strongly associated with happiness, Oishi says. A 2004 meta-analysis of other research published in Psychological Bulletin found that marital satisfaction was linked more strongly to life satisfaction than one's job or health satisfaction, though both of those were also correlated to happiness as well. That's not to say that a salary bump isn't going to make you smile, or if it's big enough, put a down payment on that yacht David Lee Roth mentioned. To say that satiation is at $105,000 doesn't mean an increase won't make you feel temporarily happier, Jeb says. 
But when we look at long-term happiness levels, it means long-term happiness is not much different from higher incomes. End of article. So there you have it. It comes down to what are the things that are going to make you happy? You get to a certain point where you have enough money, you can pay all your bills, you can live nicely, comfortably, have a few meals out, afford some things for your children perhaps, or if you don't have children, do some things you want to do, travel and other things. You might be able to afford a nice car. Once you have those things, then there's not a lot more money that you really need. And it comes down to then being happy in your relationship. After all, there have been many studies that say that men actually live longer if they're married. So it seems like relationship satisfaction is super important to one's happiness and maybe even one's health. But I agree, once you have enough money to live comfortably, the extra money really isn't gonna make you happy. It might allow you to do things more easily. It might afford you to hire people to do work around the house that you don't wanna do, or it might allow you to retire earlier, or it might allow you to travel more or do some things that you really wanna do, play more golf perhaps, but in the end, you're probably just going to be able to do more of what you can already afford. So you're already, at some level happy and the extra sometimes can just stress you out because you have to work longer hours, you have less time at home that puts stress on your relationship, it hurts your health and does a lot of negative things when you are really piling on the extra hours. I recently met someone who works 40 hours a week of overtime and they drive one and a half hours to their job and one and a half hours back home, three hours a day of commuting time. So what kind of a life does that person have? That sounds very stressful to me. And regardless of the amount of money being made, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of time there that's left over to really live life. So time is one of those factors where if you're working so much, you don't have any time, then you don't really have any life and can't really even enjoy the money or the lifestyle that you have. So it all comes down to balance. It comes down to making enough money that you have enough and not having to sacrifice too much to make a little bit more money. But I thought this was very interesting and I wanted to share it with you because these statistics about how much people need to really feel happy. And it seemed like this $105,000 mark was really the happiness point that most people agree that that is where they are happiness. So I thought if you're not making that much, maybe that's something you can strive to. And if you're making more than that, then maybe think about is that extra time and effort that you're putting into it giving you more happiness for the money that you're making? Maybe it is. But nonetheless, at least if you're not making $105,000, you don't have to feel like you have to make a ton more money in order to be happy. Because I do think that there is sort of an unrealistic expectation out there where people think they have to win a $100 million lottery to be really happy. And that's just, crazy. That's just not true. You can definitely be happier on a lot less. And if you use your five spending priorities that I talk about and really prioritize where your money's going, then you've really got your money working for you and helping you live the life that you really want to create. 
I will post a link to this article on my website. If you haven't yet subscribed to Be Wealthy and Smart, I'd be honored to have you as a subscriber. Please click the subscribe button and you'll be updated with new podcasts as soon as I upload them. And I'd love to hear from you in the ratings and reviews. It means a lot. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.